This week on DXM, the Star Wars Battlefront announcement is exciting. Anita Sarkeesian is influential. Heroes of the Storm gets a launch date. Twitch streamers send a dude into the woods and gamers say farewell to 2K Australia. This week's Dialogue Tree discussion is about game franchises with annual releases. Are we loving all this content or do they diminish the quality of the game and cause franchise fatigue? This week we're playing games about hockey and superheroes and we have all new inventory management recommendations. All that and more coming up in 30 seconds on EXM. Your face, semicolon. You're now listening to Exclamation Mark. Mark in your face, semicolon. Uh, this is the podcast where me and a couple of my friends uh, talk about video games. So if video games was what the doctor ordered, then the doctor was not a quack. He was right. Uh, my name is Bo Schwartz, and joining me uh, on this second episode of podcasting adventuring is Jeff Wright. Jeff, hello. How you doing, Bo? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm happy to be back. All right. And also joining us is Crofton Steers. Crofton, howdy-do. Hey, Bo. How's it going there, Bo? Jeff, listeners, how, how y'all doing? I'm, do, 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 should we all answer? or? I'm pretty good. I'll just answer. I'll butt it. <laughs> right. be like, I'm fine. Uh, I'm pretty excited to be doing the second episode. Since we recorded the first one, I got a chance to listen to it, and I got to say... That, you know, I felt really positive after hearing the first one, so I'm really excited to do the second one. Yeah, you did a great job mixing it, Bo. (laughs) Well, you know, when you have good talent, that's really uh, makes my life easier, so. And and Crofton. (laughs) Oh, I see what you did there. Ah, I I got burned. (laughs) Somebody called the Fire Squad or whatever they, (laughs) the the Burn Patrol. The chief, what's the Fire Chief? That's right. Call him. And get the Dalmatian. <laughs> you can lick your face. Anyways, welcome back <laughs> to the exclamation mark. We are going to talk about video games in just a second. Um, but first, uh, you know, we wanted to just drop this now. Uh, we're live everywhere. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We've got a website, exmpodcast.com. EXMs, I guess, are a little acronym that we're going for. And we're on Facebook and Twitter, so we're all over your internets uh, bringing you gaming conversation. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the announcement. So follow us. <laughs> let, follow us, friend us, like they us. Don't just let, they don't let anybody just put anything on the internet either. You know it's got to no. be good. Oh, God, it's true. All the paperwork I had to fill out to get the appropriate internet licenses, it's insane. So it's, it's listen crazy. to us. We put a lot of work into this. We want people... <laughs> join our show but um, you know what you know what though uh-huh. i don't i don't think there's any other video game podcast shows on the internet so i feel like we're we're filling a niche here that people have been waiting for for a long time i think it's a breaking ground space. every day <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and um 
Also, uh, just before we get started, we'd like to wish those of you who celebrate a happy 420. Uh, the show is probably going to come out a day after 420, but uh, we're recording on 420, so it's only appropriate to wish you happy drug use today, if that's something you believe in. If you don't, we're sorry. I'm on. <laughs> okay. All right, so you guys ready to just dive in and start talking video games? Because that's what it. I want to do. Let's do it. All right, this is readme.txt, and we're going to bring you some headlines that we're going to talk about. First up, Star Wars Battlefront announced at Star Wars Celebration. IGN reports that a sizzle reel was shown along with demo behind closed doors. The game mode Walker Assault was featured, which supports up to 40 players. If the trailer is any indication, this particular game appears to be following an artistic aesthetic similar to that implied by the Star Wars The Force Awakens trailers, which also just came out. Um, and because this always gets asked, producer Ray McLeod confirmed that TIE Fighters, X-Wings, AT-ATs, ATSTs, Snowspeeders, Speeder Bikes, and the Millennium Falcon will appear in the game, but there will be no space combat, only in-atmosphere aerial combat. So, boys, are you guys Star Wars fans? I'm a huge Star Wars, uh, Star Wars fan, Star Wars nerd. I love it. So uh, I'm pretty excited about this. Jeff, how excited were you when the trailer came out? You know, I, I got to admit, I'm not a Star Wars fan. I I'm, I maybe watched each movie once. My buddy got me to watch this trailer. I watched the trailer. I am amped for this game. Uh, it, yeah, it just, looked, it just looks phenomenal. Oh, so did you watch the trailer for the movie and went meh, but saw the um, trailer for the game and, and sort of got excited? Yeah, the, the trailer for the movie was cool too, but uh, the trailer for the game like really made me want to go out and get it, which is rare for a, for a game trailer. So I, I, I'm pumped for this. I'd have to say I agree. I saw that trailer as well, because and I w I'm more like oh, I really enjoy the movies. Looking forward to the movie. I'm gonna pass on the game. But I actually saw the trailer and saw how faithful they were being to like the aesthetic of those original movies. That I'm actually looking forward to trying it. I think I'm going to Crofton. Did did you guys play any of the other Battlefronts? Like, this is not the first Battlefront. I may have played... Was the first one on Xbox? Like, the first was, Xbox? No, they were all on PC. There may have been Xbox ports, but uh, Battlefront 1, Battlefront 2, definitely on PC. I, I think maybe I tried it once a really, really long time ago, so I don't remember. So I'm probably pretty new to the Battlefront franchise myself. Yeah, I, I haven't played any other games, but uh, the way my buddy was sort of describing it to me, Star Wars meets uh, Battlefield. That's yeah. essentially it. It's yeah. yeah it's, it sounds like a lot of fun. Well, the the thing the thing though is that like uh, Star Wars Battlefront, like the one and two were essentially reskins of I want to say Battlefield Two. Like it's been a while, um, and they were they were tremendously popular. Um, and the this company Free Radical, which is responsible for some of the great uh, first person shooters, especially the PlayStation Two era, was tasked with doing uh, Battlefront Three. And like there's there's plenty of articles out there for for you with regards to what a disaster Battlefront Three was in terms of production. I don't think it was the fault of Free Radical, but there was a lot of sort of mayhem behind the scenes. And um 
in the end, it got shelved uh, as as well as many other Star Wars games. And now the Disney-owned Star Wars has relaunched everything. There was a big call to bring Battlefront back. So I'm excited to have it back. I am a little disappointed that um, it seems to be, while the graphics are impressive, it seems to be less expansive. Like, it's it's this, no space combat for one uh, Um there, the one being developed by Free Radical, you could fly out of like a star destroyer and then down onto the planet and then back up, and it was all craziness. Here, it sounds like it's really, really contained. I'm still excited. I rather they do it small and well, but but uh, and I like the time period. I like that there's no prequel stuff. It's all going to be original trilogy. Um, but it does feel like, in terms of features, it it has even less features than the original two Battlefronts. Do you think, in the light in light of them perfecting, uh, like gameplay itself, that that like, do you want immersion from a game like that more than like um, balanced matchmaking in a more controlled environment? Because I think that's where the trade offs are. Right? Well, I'm not a big multiplayer guy, and like, there's no single player for this game. They they've announced co op only and that co-op thing like i think instead of squads it's by partner so you you spawn with your partner it's a two-person type thing and they have dedicated co-op missions in each of the map i'm a little leery that it's going to end up being sort of like titanfall in that way titanfall also launched as multiplayer only and i think everybody kind of agrees that it was a little underwhelming due to lack of campaign and stuff so i'm a little I'm also a bit concerned that this is being rushed out of the door to meet the movie because it's going to launch about a month before the movie. Um, so I do have concerns, but honestly, you watch that sizzle reel and like if you were a Star Wars fan, man, you get hyped. Like I was – I'm stoked to, to try it. Yeah. But I guess as a Star Wars – like even for me, it is disappointing to realize that there's no single-player campaign. Um, but I get that games have to make a decision nowadays to be more multiplayer focused or single player focused because it takes a lot of resources to make both or to, you know, keep both in. So, you know, it's kind of like, oh, it's a sweet Star Wars game. They did really well with it. And it's like, oh, there's no single player. But maybe they'll, maybe a sequel will come out and they'll have it then or later. You know, like the um, Bad Company line of games for Battlefield, right? Yeah, I know. Totally. It could be a spinoff. What was the the Star Wars game where you could run around sort of third person view, and like, it, they had single player? Was it Battlefront still? Um, the the um, the Star Battlefront you can switch between first person and third person, and they announced that for this one as well. I think you can switch between views. So yeah, the Battlefront's always been the ones where you engage in the giant multiplayer combats, but there's been a lot of third third-person action adventures like Star Knights Wars. of the Old Republic is that one that was a that was an RPG a role-playing game but oh, like okay. but like games like um like, I I remember Shadows of the Empire this is on Nintendo 64 uh with Dash Rendar or Jedi Knight all those series of Jedi Force Knight. Unleashed was third person as well For, oh yeah Force Unleashed would have been the la- the le- uh, last big release a Star Wars release since they they sort of shut down the old studio I think they had two of those two, but yeah, there's a couple of them, Jeff. Yeah, all right. Star Wars is awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's gonna be good. Chewie, we're home. <laughs> Insert lightsaber sound here. All right. Time Magazine names Anita Sarkeesian one of the top 100 most influential people of the year. 
according to a write-up by Will Wheaton in, T- in Time magazine, uh, Anita launched a crowd ca- crowdfunding campaign for Tropes versus Women in Video Games, a web series that would explore five common and recurring stereotypes of female characters in video games. She hit her goal of 6000 on the first day and ultimately raised more than 150000 for the project. Um, but she had also become the target of vicious, misogynistic harassment that included death and rape threats, pornographic vandalism of her Wikipedia page, and a coordinated effort to have her Kickstarter flagged as terrorism. In the face of very real abuse and threats, Anita has refused to back down. She continues to speak around the world about the role of women in video games and popular media. Now, that's all directly quoted from Will Wheaton in Time magazine. But um, it's pretty notable, I think, if someone in the video game industry... Uh, gets you know high accolade as such a thing and it's kind of this very curious thing that someone in in her critical like a position of criticism uh, does you don't see that every year or I was gonna say every day but every year in the time magazine Um, have you guys uh, sort of been following the this hot button topic of what some people call gamers gate but other people say that's a mischaracter that you know title for it is kind of a mischaracterization of what's going on have you been have you been affected by this at all or I'm sorry Bo you just cut off there Hello uh, you, you, I could hear him all the way Oh sorry I must have cut off I'm sorry Oh it's okay Um so uh, has uh, has this uh, Anita Sarkeesian or the Gamergate or sort of this idea of you know women's studies and video games sort of affected uh, you or you've come across this I I've tried following I've tried figuring out what Gamergate is I've tried Googling it, reading on Wikipedia, and it just it, it just seems like there's nobody has a no two people have the same definition of what this means, and it just seems like a lot of people are bringing their own bias to this to this issue. So I, I if if you guys could explain it to me in like two minutes, if you give the elevator pitch, yeah, I would much well, appreciate that. Well, I, I think there's an argument about whether or not gamers gates uh, gamers gate is sort of a, an appropriate name for it. But I think the argument is kind of missing a point about the argument over the name of what to call it is like the least important thing about it. Because, yeah, see, I didn't even know that was an yeah, issue. Because I think what they were, what the original, some people claim was the original push about Gamersgate was that it was about um, fairness in gaming journalism, which is that, you know, GameSpot, IGN, like these review sites are somehow getting paid or incentivized to review some games better than others based on, you know, promotional backdooring and things like that. Yeah. So like it's about journalistic integrity. Um, but then it sort of became conflated and I don't remember exactly how with the idea that um, with, with, the, with, the, with the idea that uh, so an example of like something that might be freedom of the press and gaming criticism are feminists who would look at games and say, oh, well, gender's being treated in a certain way and I have something to say about that. Uh, where they're being attacked anonymously on the internet uh, through the through you know death and rape threats and things like that, so there's an argument about what the name is. What it's what's in fact is going on is that there are women who are criticizing the content of games. These are women gamers. They're not, you know, Joe Lieberman in in, in Congress or wherever he works. You know, saying we have to ban video games and you know put restrictions on them. This isn't about censorship. Um, it's just about being able to criticize what we're doing in games, and she's being attacked for it by misogynistic men, you know. But uh, yeah, to, just just to to step it back further, that 
Bo made some good points about where it's at now, but the elevator pitch, Jeff, <clears throat> is that uh, this girl released pretty much a a a, a, a one person game called Depression Quest, and um, it was it uh, it she received a lot of hate uh, hate mail for it and all this. Okay. Um, it, and it this, turned, this is Anita Sarkeesian or somebody else. This is her. Her name is Zoe Quinn, the the okay. lady who, meant, who made Depression Quest. And um, uh, shortly after its release, uh, she, uh, an ex boyfriend um, uh, wrote that she had an affair with a games journalist, uh, and it just sort of like uh, tainted the positive um, press that the game had been receiving. So. Uh, the, they were he was her ex-boyfriend was trying to uh say that her you know the reason the game was being so well received was because she had an affair with, with the media and so um i think misogynistic gamers were uh um and that's not everyone but like we're pointing to uh this as as what both mentioned earlier about about companies paying money for good reviews it's you know sleeping for a good review that with someone for a good review that was the implication which which was really just uh uh baseless and and it led to this game gamer gate sort of um people uh who were on the side of this argument would say hey we uh you know it's about journalistic ethics when in 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 fact what it's really about is how women how women are treated in the game industry uh and it, and, and this game that she released which is a one per, single person game that's just uh very um very basic in terms of mechanics, but it's about tackling a large issue in depression uh she really did not deserve to be uh, uh treated treated this way and since then it, it spiraled into this into this thing where about uh, um, women in games uh, uh, women who develop games the work environments that they they're part of um, and uh, the hashtag gamergate has been sort of used to uh, to brand it but it's it's uh, it it's a tough thing but just to add on to that too is that there are instances of other developers Brianna Wu is another one that are just that are just being targeted and basically terrorized. Like, you know, uh, like there's there's a certain level of trolling that happens, but it's sort of crossing this line where you know a lot of the like um, I know in particular Anita Anita Sarkeesian has had to have like you know hire bodyguards and have armed escorts because of the intensity of what's you know happening with the threats and it's all very media sensational. But um, you know, time is is saw fit to award her with you know some recognition um for the fact that you know uh, a bunch of people threaten you and she didn't stop doing what she's doing she did it in the face of and it's not just her but i think she serves as sort of a the figurehead for representing the women who are in this particular situation um yeah i think that's great yeah i would say i mean i don't know the other 99 people on the list or who got bonked because of it but i i would say she deserves a spot on that list because, you know, I've had people in my like, you know, middle aged women in my office, you know, in the coffee room making small talks, know, me, knowing I'm the video game player in the office, sort of saying, like, what's this thing about Gamergate I keep hearing? So it's clear that that the the message is getting out and that it's 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 moving beyond the borders of just the gaming community and it's it's shedding spotlight on this issue outside of it. 
and and the representations of women in, in games is getting like it, it's getting somewhere we can't ignore it anymore. Like you have big games like Hideo Kojima is releasing his new Metal Gear game. They they redesigned this woman uh, um, who is in uh, military attire and made her military attire a military bikini. You know, with with the excuse that it's hot in the desert. Um, uh, well, that just, that just makes sense. That's that, nice. Well, I guess that's fine. Somebody should call the U.S. military and give them some tips on how to run their army. <laughs> I'll be like, you know, if you wore less clothes, maybe a little sunblock. Um, but perform no, better in combat. And uh, so I'm I'm glad there are brave women out there and men who are who are sort of pushing reforms. And I I think the general consensus with regards to gamer GamerGate is that uh, it's it's creating positive change in the industry. So hopefully that's going to continue. All right. Um, anything more to add before we move on to the next? I article? think you could talk about GamerGate and w- women in games for uh, you know uh, uh, an entire episode of this show. So I think we should probably just move on, but maybe we can revisit yeah. it in the future. Right. So on behalf of the exclamation mark, we'll say, "Go Anita, go!" Congratulations. All right, here's where the storm launch date announced. According to the official Blizzard site, Hots will launch June second, twenty fifteen, followed by an open beta period starting May nineteenth. The game is currently fully functional and well-polished with a recent update. It has 30 playable heroes, over 130 skins, 14 steadfast mounts, uh, and 7 dynamic battlegrounds. Can you tell I copied this off their site? (laughs) Those battlegrounds are dynamic. Um, Nothing is confirmed, but it is very likely we'll see new content before or announced concurrent with launch. So um, this was just announced today. It's hot off the presses, so... Or I guess if you're listening yesterday or in the past, but <laughs> um, yeah, the game is finally coming out, and I'm just excited for it. So uh, it's like been many years in the making, and f- maybe you guys will actually play with me. Maybe I you've given me those beta keys, and uh, I've never played a Dota game really. Like maybe I played Awesome Knots one time with you, Bo, that you told me was a Dota. I was like, yeah, all right, uh, but. Uh, but for the most part, it's never been sort of a genre that that appeals to me, um, and uh, you know, I, I maybe I see myself trying it if it's you know it's free to play like Hearthstone was, and maybe it'll it'll capture my attention. But it just seems a little too. So it sounds weird saying something's a little too hardcore for me. But this is what what I feel like it sounds like. Well, if you're ever gonna try a MOBA, it's gonna be hot because. Um... It's not as tech, like it's it's not as unforgiving as all the other ones that you mentioned. There's it's very it's they've made it very simple for people to play. It still might not be for you. I mean, it's multiplayer PvP Diablo style, you know, top down isometric view. But um, I'm a very it, simple man, Bo. It's it's very it's very simple to to play. You don't have to worry about buying items. You don't have to worry about picking which skills in the right order. The, the decisions you make are very small like um they're, they're not very impactful so it's hard for you to make those mistakes um so you know we'll see to- but boat today i burned white rice <laughs> i'm not I, even surprised yeah uh, uh, little decisions can be big you know uh i'll, I'll give it a shot i'll give yeah. it a shot this Jeff, is all- are you interested in that one at all uh no nah, it's it's really not my style but don't you feel like sometimes you got to push your style and try something different? Uh, when I'm really into gaming, yeah. But I find uh, it sort of peaks and valleys for me. Like if, if, you know, these days I'm pretty busy, so I might get, you know, 45 minutes a day, you know, hour and a half on a weekend maybe where I want to play something. So 
uh, I really sort of got to be picky with with what I get into. Yeah, well, this game's for you then, because the matches last about twenty to thirty minutes. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Blizzard, please send the check in the mail for getting you two customers. All right. Um, Old Spice Nature Adventure on Twitch.tv brings Twitch plays to the real world. Uh, in its article, Old Spice explains to the Verge. This man we have placed in the bounteous grandeur of nature is contractually obligated to do everything you and millions of other internet users tell him to do. If that sounds familiar, that's because it is. This marketing exercise is essentially a real-life version of Twitch Plays Pokemon, a Twitch phenomenon from last year that saw tens of thousands of people try to play Pokemon Red uh, and other classic Pokemon games. Um, of course, that's a video game, and now Old Spice's marketing gurus have decided it's a good idea to let jokers on the internet tell a poor person what to do. And by poor person, we mean unfortunate person, not a, a financially poor person. Um, so, and apparently to keep the fun from getting out of hand, he only he only did it for 10 hours a day, and this would have wrapped up. Um, so how familiar are you familiar are you both with the Twitch Plays Pokemon thing? Uh, I, I saw some headlines about it on Reddit. I sort of, you know... I never went and watched it, but I, I kind of get the idea of it. Yeah. It's just like it's, it's complete like if chaos. A, it's like if a million players, uh, you invited a million people to your house and said, here's one controller, you all get to play one game. <laughs> so so for this Twitch TV thing, is this guy literally just being yelled at like right, left, up, right, right? like Yeah, So, um, but it, it's, it's a little more than that. They give him instructions. So they'll say like things like yell out loud. So he'll yell Kappa. When I was watching, he was yelling Kappa. And Kappa is like this emote on Twitch that's, I think, for sarcasm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and also they had him uh, flip uh, flip all the picnic tables. So there's a bunch of picnic tables. And it's, it's just like, I get I, you, you vote. Like, I think it's like, you know, within a certain time span, people have to input the command and then he'll do whatever's selected. So he, they had him flipping all kinds of picnic tables when I was watching. And he ripped a book apart and he dumped garbage on his head. And that's all I saw. It was actually not that interesting, <laughs> but yeah. Well, I, I feel like this is going to be, and this is going to be a recurring theme, I think, on this show when it comes to me, is I always wondered, because I, I had a kid last year, and I always wondered um, when the generation gap was going to hit for me. So <laughs> so the... Uh, the idea that like you know you're you you have with your parents where your parents are like oh you should do this and you're like that's old you know or whatever and well i feel like my for my kid and i one of the diff, the the things that's going to separate us is 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 uh twitch and the idea of watching other people do stuff instead of doing it yourself and um and and so this this whole Old Spice, I admire the marketing campaign because there's an audience there. I just feel that I am not part of that audience, and it doesn't it doesn't make me interested. But it definitely is going to appeal to to a select group. And you know, I can't speak for all gamers, but of many gamers I've met, they could do with more Old Spice. So I think it will be helpful. Oh, Gamer Slam! <laughs> you hear that, gamers? You need some Old Spice. <laughs> Yeah. Because you stink. Yeah, I can kind of see how, like, it sort of doesn't make sense. But um, I think it's interesting that, you know, there's this whole phenomenon now of people watching other people play video games as a form of entertainment or even sort of cultural group to be a part of. And so it's fun to see some kind of experimentation. Um, Jeff, is uh, Twitch TV or, like, watching Let's Plays something that uh, you do? I, I'm uh, I'm in the crafting camp. It, it just makes me feel old and out of touch. I... Uh... 
Yeah, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, like I said, if I'm gonna devote my sort of little window of time around video games, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play the video games myself. Okay. All right. Um, when you hear that, Twitch streamers, the older generation just doesn't get you. All right. Uh, lastly, uh, Borderlands pre-sequel studio closes. Kotaku reports 2K Australia, the studio in Canberra that most recently brought us Borderlands, the pre-sequel, is closing its doors. It was confirmed the entire studio is closing and all staff members will be laid off. Uh, 2K Canberra, or 2K Australia, was the major last major AAA-style studio, studio operating out of Australia. They had a hand in making games like Bioshock, Freedom Force, and the board, most recently Borderlands. Um, how do you guys feel about this? Uh, you know, this this particular company uh, is responsible for actually some good games. It's kind of kind of bad news. It's it sucks, honestly. And and uh, I, you know, disclaimer here, and this probably not going to be the last time I mention this. I worked in the video game industry, and uh, not I don't now. And for a while, it was. Uh, it's great, like it's it's a lot of fun, but they take often advantage of people's passion. They pay not necessarily as much as you would get paid elsewhere, and um, and stability is is not in in large supply. If a game sells, you might be around. If it if it doesn't, you could be gone. And it sucks because this company in particular made a lot of great games. Um, the reload, there are I know they're offering to relocate a lot of them to other two K studios. But, um, you know, when you live in a country such as Australia, relocating to the U.S. is no small thing. Um, and, and I think and what bothers me the most is I think that this is a sign. Like you're seeing iPhone games make like, you know, that Kate Upton, uh, be my hero uh God of War, Game of War, Flash whatever. The Titans or something. Yeah, make a ton of money, tons of money. Hand, uh, over fist, you've got Candy Saga, Candy Crush Saga. You got all these games, and meet, and you have indie games that are starting to grow. And then, so the Triple A studios, you're seeing more backlash uh, uh, against Triple A games that don't deliver everything that everybody wants. I think of the Order that just came out on PS4. They probably invested tons and countless mound hours putting together this game, and everybody was complaining that it was too short. So I think it's thankless having a AAA studio right now, and I think you're going to see less and less of them as people migrate to where the money is, and it makes me honestly concerned for the future of games. Because I would say, you know, AAA studios are also where some of the best in gaming, like full gaming experiences, where where they come from. I mean. You know, not that you know. There's great indie games. There are great sort of uh, console or not console, but um, you know, PC game shops that are around. But um, you know, AAA titles they, they really try to go all out and tell like a, a sweeping story with a, a high sense of immersion, and and that's important too. It's it's sort of um, you know, it sort of sucks that it, it's it can be such a high risk, high reward uh, kind of business venture yeah I've, I, I, I've kind of seen the, the movie industry go the same way there's sort of, they sort of seem to be cutting out the middle class it's either you the the big budget sort of like <laughs> avengers 27 or call of duty whatever edition we're on now or like you know the one that you make on a shoestring budget so like like yeah, you think, mean like they're, they're getting out, squeezed out like in the middle like mid-budget sort of style games Ex- exactly yeah. the the ones that the the studio's don't know that they'll make a blockbuster and because you know, the, the, the biggest commodity too it's not even um for like gaming success is that it's people's time like there's i have so many games in my library that i've bought and haven't played 
um, because it's not money is not the issue. Enthusiasm is definitely there for games. It's it's well, you know, I can only spend so much of my time playing games. I, that's what I'm do. I have to decide between all these choices that are out there. Uh, so if you put a lot of money into a game and it doesn't make any ripples, doesn't sell anything, then maybe it was good and a lot of great effort was put into it, but uh, you whiffed, you know, and that can that can cost dearly. It's it's no good, you know. Uh, the other thing too about this, I had read a bit more of the article and it was saying that um, like a lot of the people actually were laid off and had left the company. It's not like they're all relocating to another studio. So a lot of the talent that came from there, the unsung talent is, you know, also not, I don't, we don't know where they are. <laughs> so yeah, it's no, my I'd... understanding too. Australia doesn't have a big, uh, doesn't have a lot of opportunities for game developers either. And I mean, this would have been the biggest one and I can't imagine there's a, whole lot of sort of medium-sized ones yeah come on australia you can bounce back we know you love games but i know you guys have a hard time down there they also sell them really expensive in australia and new zealand like it's ridiculous how expensive i see that all the time on steam like steam comments <laughs> yeah, well steam yeah. it's, it's even worse because you're getting a digital copy they used to be able to you know i think the whole argument stemmed from the fact that like well our dollar is weaker but also shipping costs you know but when you're getting a digital copy i mean come on anyway because then the only, the only reason is like oh we don't want to undermine you know physical sales and i think part of the reason too is australia has a lot of uh laws around protecting uh australian soft uh, australian developers and australian like software companies so they're trying they're trying to generate business within to make it cheap to produce within but the problem is you know everything costs a lot to get there now i think i think it's the same issue with brazil it's it's one of those things where you can fly from Australia to pick up a, a copy of Photoshop and fly back for cheaper than uh, to just buy it in Australia. That's sweet. That sounds like an awesome trip, a Photoshop trip. <laughs> yeah. I w- I, it'd be nice if more things in life were like that, just so it would force you to travel because I'm not really a big traveler. <laughs> it's like, I really need to do some groceries. Time to go to British Columbia. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm sure we'd all hate that. All right. Uh, and I think that wraps up uh, readme.txt for this week. So now we're going to ask the question, what we've been playing. You're always talking about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street, smoking pot. This is Games Per Minutes. How do you feel about cutting it head off? That was a lot of noise. (laughs) Podcast had to be full of noise, although if you're saying it was shitty. (laughs) I'm not saying it was shitty. You realize we could hear the, the... Your sound clip about the kids smoking pot, right? Well, that was the uh, that's the bumper. It, it was taken okay. from a it- news article in the, like the seven or eighties. Some kids they're talking about are video games dangerous for people, and he's like, "Hey, man, we're just playing games. It's not like we're smoking pot." Oh, okay. Oh, I see. Yeah. All I, right. I don't actually listen. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Mrs. Games for minutes. So let's uh, start today with. Uh, Jeff, Jeff, what have you been playing? This will shock you guys to learn, but I've been playing more NHL uh, 15. It's uh, It's been a bit of a busy week, so uh, it's a good game to just throw on for half an hour at the end of the night and kick some ass online. I've, I've reached a very frustrating point, though, because I play the hut mode, as we talked about last week, with the cards. And uh, you sort of, as you win games, you, you move up in divisions. And I played, I played a lot of it the first month or two it came out. And I, I'm a pretty good player, so I moved up very quickly. And, you know, I 
I got as I want, I got some decent players, but didn't really build up a superstar team. And then I put it down for Call of Duty and then a couple other games around Christmas. And I didn't really pick it up until a couple months ago. So now I'm I'm in the second highest division there is, but I, I'm going I'm just going up against monster team after monster team. And I still have a mediocre at best team. So I'm struggling to uh, to just stay where I am, keep my head above water. So will you, will you get uh, knocked down if you lose? Yeah, so it's it's one of those, like, uh, depending on what division you're in right now. Right now I'm in Division 2, so I have to get – you have 10 games per division, so i got to get 8 points to stay in, and then I think uh, 13 points to advance to Division 1, and then 15 points to sort of win, like, the championship bonus where you get more more coins. So technically, at the end of every year, right before the next NHL comes out, yeah. every that's when everybody's teams would be the most jacked. Right? Yeah, for sure. And then, and then as soon as the, the the next year's game gets announced, or it's right around the corner, like the market just plummets on in the auction house, and because everybody's teams flooded, and then there's usually incentives if you buy the next, like if you pre-order the next game and you have X amount of pucks that or point or coins, you know you'll get you'll get this good player or whatever so so it gets a little it gets a little crazy sort of after the stanley cups in real life it's just funny in i find it funny because um and we may talk about this a little later on but nhl and hockey which uh in video games uh sports games are one of the first annual release type things and it used to be the, the you had to buy like the new game every year because you needed the updated rosters. Essentially that was it like 93, yeah. 94, 95. It's the same game except with mild tweaks, but you wanted the new rosters. So it is interesting what the sports game industry is now doing to keep people uh, buying the next version. Cause I'll tell you uh, when I play NHL, I only play it with my brother on the couch, coach co-op. Sometimes we'll go online or whatever, but for the most part, we're playing couch co-op. So do you remember? Mixed. Do you remember when uh, you tried jumping on with your brother and playing co-op with uh, me and my old roommate? I blocked it out. Um, but but <laughs> I think uh, it was thirteen to nothing. Yeah, yeah. I let's not say who for. We'll leave it up to the listeners' imagination. Um, but but the thing the thing is is that like that was the need that we had. So I would coast on the same copy of NHL for three years. And, you know. And if that's all you want out of it, like that, it, it's good enough. Like if you're not a big NHL fan, you're not. A, you don't want the latest. You're, you don't care about the latest rosters. Uh, you know that's that's all you really need. But, and it's well, funny you did, mentioned. Uh, they roster let us download. They let us download the updates for quite a long time. I think. Yeah, basically up until the end of the the season. Those like, bastards. You, you, yeah, so <laughs> it's funny you talk about roster updates. Uh, my buddy has NHL 15 for the PS3. And it is literally just a roster update from uh, NHL 14 because they they're they're basically scrambling to get NHL 15 ready for the for the for the next gen consoles. And even then, they did a terrible job because they the version on the PS3 has more features than the version on the PS4. Yeah, but, that got a lot of press actually. The the they yeah. act so many features in favor of shiny graphics. But but like literally at least like. You know, and on the PS4, there's, you know, the menus are a little different. They have new music and all that. Like, it's like all this, the music might be different, but it's all the same presentation, everything on the on the PS3. So it's funny when I, I jumped on my friend's PS3 a couple weeks ago, I thought I'd put the wrong game disc in because it was just like, oh, yeah, this is last year's. But no, 
it was the exact same. And, yeah, people still pay it. And, and yeah, that's a funny thing because you know both of us, both of us own it, and, and another couple couple buddies do too because we just buy it every year because we know we're gonna play it. We want to be the best one at it. We want to learn all the little tricks um, for it. Sorry, just to interject though, I have sort of a question for you on a different thread. There's an auction house in oh. NHL. In the in the hockey ultimate team mode, yeah. So like, like I was explaining last week, you you get packs of cards, like you can buy them, and then and then yeah. So whatever you don't want to keep, you can put on the put up for auction, and it's sort of dictated by the market. It's funny because like we were joking last week, it's like oh, there's a card game in it, but you don't play card games, and it's like now there's an auction house in it, so it's like an MMO and a digital trading card game. (laughs) (laughs) I I know I I get it, but. All of that is a means to just play yeah. a, like a game against yeah. somebody else. But yeah, no, it, it totally has those elements, and um, it, uh, and, and that's and how they make money. Let me ask you this about it too, because this is the thing. This is like one of the reasons why, for example, like I would say I'm a PC gamer. Not that there's anything wrong with being a console gamer. Just, just to me, the the the, <laughs> the, 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 the inconveniences you talked about about how like we have a new NHL every year, and I guess we kind of did we talk about this in the last? No, we talked about exclusives last episode, but maybe we can talk about I think we're going to oh, talk okay. about it well, later. Well, anyways, just th- the idea that wouldn't you be better served if you could just buy one game and pay a subscription fee annually and just have them update the existing client rather than make a brand new game and butcher it all to hell every year? I mean, you'd probably say, yeah. If, 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 they, did for, if they did that for NHL, yeah, sure. But like, if they sell it on the computer, I guarantee it's the same thing. They stop updating the rosters after right. X date because and you got to buy the new one. Because they're stuck in that business features. model is what I'm saying, yeah. Well, they're not stuck in it. They're making money off of it. Well, yeah, they're fist. making. They're stuck <laughs> making money. Like because, like, because I think there's like a there's a tension on that vector, which is like, you know, they're not always stuck because they can't make money. Alternatively, it's just oh, we're, sometimes success can be bad for a game because it's like, well, we got to put a new one. They have that expectation of having to put a new one out every year, but and if they don't make it, then yeah. they don't meet their expectation. But they have to for investors. So they are going to release the games and then they're not going to be as good as previous ones. And that, that just sucks for their customers, basically. All right. I I, I agree. Most sports games I only buy every two or three years if I'm into them, but NHL is just the one where me me and all my buddies play it. We all just know it's, you know, an $80 idiot tax every year and we'll, we'll just, we'll just spend it. I'm going to jump in here because I know for a fact that coming up, we're going to talk a little bit more about this stuff. So I don't want to, I don't want to blow it all right now because uh, I have comments as well. I want to talk about this, but let's talk about what we're playing, but what are you playing? All right. So um, I've, I played a bunch of stuff. The, the, there's, um, I can't remember the name of the company, but there's a sort of a brand of endless games that had a free weekend on steam was on sale. So the games were endless legend, uh, endless space and dungeon of the endless are they all um, made by the same people yeah yeah so i i already owned a dungeon of the endless but i gave the other two a try and um uh, yeah I, I mean i just i played that i don't have much i don't think i have enough to form an opinion on it uh but i you know i checked that out um crypt of the necro dancer is a game i also purchased uh it's a you, you guys know what roguelikes are right yes i do not yeah um, basically it's a procedurally, you know, randomly generated dungeon that has perma death that you play through you go level per level and you get items and, and it harkens back to like the ASCII days where games were just letters, you know, arranged on your computer screen. 
Um, so this is a mix between that and Dance Dance Revolution, <laughs> which is like you have to kill monsters to the beat and you can use your own music and stuff. It's in alpha right now, early access, but it's a lot of fun and I'm, I'm looking forward to the finished pro- product. Um, but the, 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 the major thing that I want to talk about that I spent actually a good two days playing was Marvel Heroes. Um, have you guys heard of Marvel Heroes? I've heard of Marvel Heroes. Now, this is this is one of those things where like um, it kind of snuck up on me. It appeared on Steam one day or whatever. It looks like uh, Diablo with with Marvel characters and essentially um, had had the uh, like you'd buy each character. It was free to play. Came with like a certain amount of characters, like shitty ones like Hawkeye, and and then and then if you wanted good ones like Spider Man, you had to lay down money. And I remember. Uh, the it was about a six on ten game, but I hear that they've been updating it and it's better. Yeah, so the games, well, the game was previously called something else, and the re- I think they rebranded it as Marvel Heroes twenty fifteen just to give it a new coat of paint. Um, the game is free to play. The good news is, Crofton, um, you get daily login rewards, and the reward for day two is basically you get a free hero purchased. So. You don't have to, you can, you know, you won't be able to play all the characters, and there are a lot of them now. There's about, I think, 50 different heroes you can play compared to like the five in Diablo you get. Um, but are they just reskins? Like, is Hulk uh, and Thing the same guy? I haven't played them all. There definitely are similarities. Like, they all have movement abilities, but they're superheroes, which means they're awesome. For them to, be, well, yeah, they're, I mean, they are awesome. For them to be like, feel like the superheroes they all a lot of them fly or have telekinesis or you know can lift up cars and throw them at things which is something you can do in this game incidentally you can't do in diablo um it's it's a lot of fun and you can get free heroes playing they also give you one of the free starting heroes on the first day you play so i have two heroes that i own um that i didn't have to pay for and so i haven't paid drop descent in the game who are the heroes bo we're dying Um, my free to play one was black widow because she's awesome. Looks like the Scarlett Johansson thing, but with the Russian accent. And then the second one, I, I picked up Psylocke. Psylocke? Yeah, because I just, I'm like, Psylocke's cool, man. She, and it, breaking news, too, I think Olivia Munn from The Daily Show fame, among other things, was just announced as portraying it in, her in the new X-Men movie. Psylocke has never been in any films. Um, but she's, a, I think she's, a you know, a, the brother of Captain Britain. Uh, and uh, she's chummy with uh, Wolverine. So um, I liked her, but I mean, you know, Thor's in it. You see Venoms all over the place and things. and It's fun. Uh, there's a lot of awesome heroes and it's free to play. And I was going to say, Crofton, if you're such a Marvel fan, this is a big recommend because it it's a cross between Path of Exile, which I know you've played, and Diablo, in that when you go out into the world, you see all the other superheroes like playing with you you know sort of like an open world environment and then there's instance content when you go into like a mission area and you got to defeat one of the bad guys uh i you know it does it lacks the polish of a game like diablo there's definitely like the sound isn't great and it's hard to read some of the text bubbles like there's a lot about it that doesn't feel like um super high quality polish but you get the experience of being a badass superhero and that's kind of what i want from that game mixed with an ARPG. So uh, I really enjoyed it (laughs) and I'm going to keep playing. 
Uh, Sweet. That maybe... that one does sound like one that maybe I would like. I would I would give it a shot. I'm I again like Jeff mentioned earlier. I'm on the sort of time crunch type thing as well. But uh, but that is like just because of the, the the ease of access, and I am a Marvel fan and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I would uh, I would think about uh, checking that out. Is that's probably a, a PC exclusive, I'd imagine. Yeah, it's it's PC exclusive. Um, all right, I will talk about what I'm playing. I mentioned it last episode. I'm playing Infamous Second Son, which came out about a year ago today and was one of the PS4's first big exclusives. I've actually played Infamous 1 and 2 on PS3. Um, I played Infamous 2 actually fairly recently. Uh, it was one of the last games I played on PS PS3. I was I got it really cheap and just just thought I would give it a shot. So I'm very familiar with the series. It's it's what I like about it is it's a superhero game, but it's original content, so it's not uh, it's not necessarily um, uh, compelled to follow existing lore and that. So they they're able to go off in their own their own tangents and they build kind of like a, a little bit of an interesting world. Um, the the big thing the difference differentiates infamous second son from the two previous ones is the graphics are essentially super awesome uh and and designed uh primarily for ps4 um and uh it's the first game like i played watchdogs on ps4 i played far cry 4 i played a couple of games on ps4 it's the first game where i'm like okay you know this is really not something that uh, this graphical uh, fidelity is not something that I would have seen on the previous generation of consoles. Um, and so I, I do appreciate that. It's also a little more of a, uh, uh, the previous ones were, I, I want to say almost more cartoonish or outlandish. This one is much more kind of, um, it, uh, the acting is, is more realistic. It's supposed to be a, the story of two brothers and all this. So I, I'm liking it. But my, I do have issues with it because it hasn't shed some of the things that the previous two games did that are that were outdated at that time and are now completely outdated, such as the binary like red blue decision making. So, for those of you who've never played Infamous, you can either do something, you can either be a good guy or you can be an infamous sort of anti-hero villainy type person. Good guy is sort of blue bad guys kind of red so like you have all these choices in the game where you either do the blue choice or the red choice and you build up this sort of karma meter and and you can level up and get powers that are unique to that side it sounds pretty cool but it feels really arbitrary in the context of the game that's how did you choose Crafton? what do you think good guy yeah i'm a good guy yeah, I, always... I i I can, I can never take the the red choice in any of those games i just have to do the good you guys guy suck yeah you need to embrace the power of the dark side but uh, yeah I, I played the game too uh i thought the graphics were impressive but yeah it to me it didn't add a whole lot from the from the first two the you talked last week about watchdogs feeling like like they figured out what was cool by committee around a conference table like this one was brutal okay like he wears a leather wristband around his wrist, and he wears a toque when he's inside, even though it looks warm. <laughs> and he's going to spray paint because he's a badass. Meanwhile, he's, like, killing people left and right. But uh, Yeah, but- I... I found that I found that too. For some reason, I didn't find it as egregious as Watch Dogs, but but I did I did find I did did find that as well. I do find though that um, that really the the the, the blue red thing is what drives me the most nuts because you can do stuff like um, 
your powers are so imprecise in many ways. Like, and that's probably what it'd be like being a superhero. But you cause a giant explosion. It's like, whoops, killed two police officers. And then it says it in red at the top, you know, killed cop, killed cop or whatever. And then, and then people, but because it so marginally affects your overall karma. Like I killed those two cops and then saved seven other people or, or handcuffed three criminals instead of killing them. So it sort of balances out. Right. Um, and, and, and that's kind of, that's kind of ridiculous. Like the whole concept is, is ridiculous and you can't, you can't like, it's fun to play it. That's, that's one thing. There's a very positive I'm enjoying. I feel like they've given me the locomotion, the movement powers well earlier than they did in the last games, which seemed to give you the most awesome movement powers at the very end of the game, which was always an annoying thing. Cause the climbing of buildings buildings parkour stuff is is rudimentary at best so they give these to you right off i like that but what what i don't like um and i like going around and i like so far i'm enjoying um the graphics and the environments and, and fighting the dudes and all this it might get redundant I, but... I don't know how far you've gotten but the i the one thing that, that i that they did in this one that i liked and this might be a mild spoiler alert but as you get you you have sort of four different acts where you get four different types of superpowers. I've just got the second one. Okay. So yeah, so it's, uh, it, it doesn't get too stale too quickly. And like you said, that that's a way for them to let you get like the really cool powers. And then you sort of beat, you know, you finish the first act and then you don't really need them that much, but you got to, you got to get to them quicker. Yeah, and, and I like how each one has its own lo sort of locomotion power, and you yeah. choose, uh, and they're all city based. Like so far, I've had neon, I have smoke and neon. So you're draining to, to charge them. You drain from the neon. The graphical effect is really nice, but also it, it's the idea that he's sort of one with the city, and and he isn't. He is a First Nations Aboriginal character, which I think is like nice, uh, uh, being that there are so seldom First Nation characters, and and the fact that it he isn't identified that way it's not like he's walking around with a giant headdress or something it's just part of uh the background um i and i like the themes of like you know um being one with the city and all this like but they don't really explore explore those they feel like you said designed by committee and a little bit a little bit window dressing like i am enjoying it though and i'll probably play it to completion and that says quite a bit right there i've liked the infamous games i think that they they're probably due for maybe a, a rejig and a modernization in the way that they handle things um and it does feel a little bit like if you i played city of heroes which was an mmo it's shut down now but in, in that game you would sort of be on the grind chasing powers and you'd go and you'd you'd have to kill like 10 of one guy and then 10 of another guy and then you know just to build up your character i do feel there's a little bit of that grind on this as well so uh um, you know could be better but uh, it's sure pretty to look at speaking of which bo what oh because i'm pretty to look at thanks yeah. jeff that's nice of you to say <laughs> um, I was just wondering what your favorite superpower was because I don't know anything about Infamous. Uh, is there a really fun superpower, Crofton? Oh, um, I would say, like, I have, because there's, as Jeff mentioned, four types of powers. I only have two types. Each type has got, like, a zillion powers within them. Uh, but I would say, I would say the one that I've enjoyed the most, I always enjoy locomotion powers the most, the ones that allow you to move across the map and not necessarily the ones that are, you know, blast these dudes in the face. There's only so many different ways <laughs> you can blast the guys in the head. Um, but uh, As we all but, learned in college. 
Yeah. Blast the dudes in the face. I think that's the show title. <laughs> I don't think so, Bo. Um, but uh, <clears throat> but yeah, so I'd say the locomotion ones. And um, I, I probably prefer the smoke one, which allows you to turn into a puff of smoke and, and sort of shoot through uh, the air, through fences and go up through vents and, and appear at the roof. The camera like shoots up the building and you appear at the top. It's a pretty neat effect. Um, and, and you also have these superpowers, like mega powers, if you will, for building up your karma meter. So if you do enough good deeds, uh, without killing cops by accident, um, you, you're able to use like a very visually impressive power that pretty much clears the screen. Those are the most awesome to look at. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I like how, like, if you have good karma, your reward is mass murder. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I, the idea is that even though it looks like everyone's dead, like if you if if you built up the good karma, like whatever your power somehow miraculously didn't kill anyone and imprisoned them all, it's kind of ridiculous. But what are, are there achievements for not killing people, or is killing like definitely something you have to do? No, there's achieve there's achievements for well, I mean, there's karma achievements. I haven't really explored the trophies too much, so I don't. Okay, really... that'd be interesting. I kind of like games that do that. I know. In Deus Ex, that was a big thing. In I Infamous, think. that's what's frustrating. It's pretty much impossible not to kill anybody. Like, you you cannot... Like, I mean, you, you think you're just, I don't know, shooting a car to make it smoke a little bit so you can drain smoke powers, and then the car explodes, kills four civilians. You get... You, <laughs> your karma meter goes down. Oopsie! Kick, you're like, oops. Oh, well. Uh-oh, spaghetti I'll, I'll I'll put handcuffs on the next three bad guys I see, and it'll all balance out. <laughs> Don't you wish life really worked that way? I do. (laughs) Hello there, Bo here. Uh, Just a quick little ad break to let you guys know about another great podcast that uh, is a part of our podcast family called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Three guys, Bo, Michael, and Crofton, select a topic at random using the random topic generator and debate whether it's good, bad, or bullshit. If you like this, I know you'll like good, bad, or bullshit. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or visit our site goodbadbull.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I'm going to return you to our regular programming of the Exclamation Mark Podcast. This is Dialogue Tree, 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 Tree. Tree. Welcome to Dialogue Tree. And this is where we take a popular topic in the gaming community or the gaming industry or the gaming uh, zeitgeist (laughs) and talk about it. And this week, our topic, gentlemen and ladies and gentlemen listeners, is annual releases. So games like Call of Duty, sports games like NHL, we kind of telegraphed that this was going to be the... topic a little earlier hey, you guys um, were you guys were getting into it already so like let's just expand on, on that that was just foreshadowing we planned foreshadowing very all right so then let me just expect like just continue on my train of thought and if we covered it, we covered it but um you know as, as if i decided tomorrow that i was going to be into nhl what i would want part of what i would want from this ser- online game service would not like I don't mind um, spending. It's not the money. Like you know, if it's two hundred dollars a year in purchases, hey, maybe that's fine for me. It's it's definitely an inexpensive thing to do. Um, 
but my deal is that like by releasing new games they're essentially reinventing the wheel all all every year and um i realize they have to do that because of the console environment but in a perfect world you know like on pc um you can see my bias there it's just that they can keep you know like like online games there's a lot of games now that have been out that have been around for five or six years they just keep getting improved so they're always constantly polishing that stone to be like really good gameplay and improving graphics and and things of that nature i wouldn't you know sports games like nhl and nba all these games that people are really passionate about be better served by you know a team that was constantly working on it you know and 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 having a good monetization plan for it to keep it viable for you know a decade or more before having to launch a new one well would you you get a pc to play that kind of nhl if it was available versus consoles i i would i would take a pretty close look at that model for sure i mean you know the, the teams there's teams of uh developers that are trying to improve on the last years every year. I get it. They're, you know, it's, it's mostly a cash grab, but it, to me, it's just, you're, you're just spending your money a different way. Right. I spend 70 bucks on the, on the game every year. And then, you know, once the next one comes out, I'm ready to, to start a new, I, you know, I jump back into the hut mode where everybody's is starting fresh too. It's, it's nobody's rewarded for having, been grinding it out for the last year while while i've only played it you know an hour every night for a month but i just i just interject really quickly to say a lot of online games do ladder resets like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an obstacle for a game of that nature but to to expand on what bo's saying though and i'm not necessarily saying i agree because I, i definitely think that Partners like the NHL and NBA want the big launch of a title, and it is never gonna. It's never gonna go to like a, a Marvel Heroes type, um, sort of constant thing. But right now, you have developers already on somewhat tight teams that might make are working on the next year's NHL, while there are developers that are working on updating the current year NHL and fixing bugs, etc. At the same time, so they're essentially doubling doubling down efforts and, and needing more staff. Whereas like if they just had one NHL, like it's just called NHL, you download it for your PS. It doesn't have to be PC. You download it for your PS4 or whatever. And, and then like you get roster updates when there's improvements or like deeks added to the game. It just sort of downloads them. You pay either an annual subscription fee or whatever. Like I do think that, that that's a, a uh, a, a neat model. I just don't think that it's feasible uh, because it doesn't have a big, a big release thing like the the release of a new game. I, I think that's going to take. It's going to take a while before we move away from that sort of thing. And, and maybe not everyone plays like Jeff. You were said you were in like the second highest league, which sounds sounds like you know you know what you're doing when it comes to that game. Oh, I'll kick your ass, Bo, if that's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a challenge. It's okay. not that's not my game. I respect the fact that this is the game that you're good at. And um uh, but my sense is that uh sports games like a lot of their bread and butter are probably not you. It's probably casuals, right? Yep. Like people who just like sports and then after the hockey game they just want to play a quick match or two cuz that's fun and that's it. So um, I think maybe like what I'm proposing 
might appeal more to the more dedicated fans and less so to casuals who don't want to set up a PC. Like they just want to buy a console and have the game. But it doesn't have to be a PC. I think that's a false choice. Like consoles are essentially PCs right now. You could definitely have an ongoing NHL on your PS4. But I guess what I'm saying is that doesn't appeal to casuals. Like the idea that there would still have to be, oh, you have to install this and update it. And in order to play the game, you have to stay relevant. Um, You know, just like that whole that whole idea where it's like if you just buy a disc and like you said Crofton you only have to buy one every couple of years it's just to play casually uh, amongst people you know um maybe it doesn't make sense for annual release but it makes you'd more be sense surprised for how like even even the most casual gamer these days on a console has to put up with a lot of clicking through updates and waiting for for downloads and stuff if you're connected to the to the internet like it's a pain in the ass starting a new game that's one of my biggest pet peeves of the console is that I like? I feel like I'm losing a lot of the uh, the sort of instant impact that that I'm sort of paying for. Like, make it simple. I just put it in, and it works. It doesn't do that anymore. If the no, game's it's... been out for more than a day, even if you get it on launch, there's always a patch you got to download first, and then you got to wait for it to install. It, uh, yeah, that that's a, that's a big uh, pet peeve of mine in the console world right now. Um. And I I share that it, they've become much more like PCs. Essentially, when when they announced the Steam boxes, I was like, this is just what a PC, PS3 a PS4 is now. Um, but uh, with regards to annual releases, we've talked about sports games, and and sports games have stood the test of time. I feel like they will continue to stand this test of time. There's huge audiences for those games. They will continue to be released annually. I sort of agree with what Bo was saying. But at the same point, when I think annual releases now, I think about games like Call of Duty, Assassin's Creed, and to a lesser extent, like games that used to have annual releases like Guitar Hero. Um, that essentially, I think, is the cautionary tale for this sort of thing, where you you have an annual release. There's only so many changes you can make every, every year, and then at one point, the market gets saturated and people no longer buy into your thing. So, just before I get, I ask you guys your opinion on it. Like my, I, I was a huge Assassin's Creed fan. Assassin's Creed, the first one that came out. I, I a lot of reviews were kind of harsh on it and said like there wasn't enough to do, uh, it was more of a tech demo than a full on game. I actually really enjoyed it and it, it had the graphical wow factor, immersiveness. Like I really really liked it. Then Assassin's Creed Two came out. It took I think two years for Assassin's Creed Two to come out following the first one. I was super stoked uh, for Assassin's Creed Two when it came out. It was my most anticipated game of that year. I had a really really good time with it. Then from that point onward to present day, there has been an Assassin's Creed game every single year, and uh, up until last year, I played every single one. Like there was not one that I missed until. Um, the the last one that just came out there uh, in Paris Unity yeah Unity and two of them came out Rogue also came out on the original Xbox uh, 360 and and PS3 and so oh. they it took them that long essentially to to go from my most anticipated game of the year to okay I I need a break from this I have done enough of this and and even Black Flag uh, the pirate one which was an Assassin's Creed in name only and mostly a pirate game did enough to sort of rejuvenate my interest to to play through it. But I got it gifted and I probably would not have bought it myself and I really enjoyed it. But I'm I'm done with Assassin's Creed for a while. I need I need a refresher. 
And uh, they have multi-studios working simultaneously. They're already talking about Assassin's Creed Victory. It's probably going to come out later this year. Who knows? There might there's there's like three Assassin's Creed 2D games coming out this year. It's just like I I find it totally overkill. Annual releases in my mind are are not beneficial uh, for the industry. They totally cause burnout. Do Do you think that? Um... A game like Assassin's Creed, uh, you know, has that dedicated fan base that will never get burnt out on it. Like, are they are they are they successfully catering to a certain group? I can't see how that's possible. Now, I play the multiplayer in Assassin's Creed, and I think that's the key here. When Jeff's talking about the NHL, and and he's also a Call of Duty player, and I assume we'll we'll chime in about that shortly. But like the multiplayer, it's not the campaign that that people come to a lot. It's it's update to the multiplayer. Assassin's Creed, I truly still feel that it is the campaign that people are looking to play. Um, and I feel people have to get tired of that. And I look at Guitar Hero again and I say like, okay, how many times can you go to the same well uh, before it runs dry? And now Guitar Hero is going to come back, but they've taken a few years off and probably there will be interest. I foresee that happening with Assassin's Creed at one point. A Call of Duty might be a bigger beast, but I think it benefits from a sort of that that league mentality that sports games have uh, in, in competitiveness that's yeah, going to always – I, yeah, I, like I, I don't, I don't know that, you know. I think you sort of made the Assassin's Creed developers' point. Like they got seventy bucks a year out of you for how many years? Like I, you know, I, I get that you can get worn out, but then there's new gamers coming in every time. Like for me, I didn't pick up Assassin's Creed until the the third game, but then yeah, I played for quite a few games in a row and then stopped at Black Flag. I never, I never actually played that one through, but. To me, if they're making money off of it, like like we were talking about earlier with Australia gaming, you know, there's just so many options right now, and if they know that that's going to be their their money maker, then you know, I don't see why they wouldn't keep putting those games out until we, like we the gamers stop buying them, right? No, I think you're right. I think you're right. I, 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 like they're gonna they're gonna keep putting them out until we stop buying them, and yeah, there there may be merit to the the idea that somebody's starting for every person quitting somebody is starting but <clears throat> i feel that like um when you develop a game there are certain things that that become sort of like addictive to you they, they make you want to keep playing and i've seen bo get really into like games like diablo that 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 give that dopamine hit you know that here's a legendary item yeah. oh, okay you know you you want to keep playing and Call of Duty in particular is something I associate with that as well. There's leveling up you can do and there's all these sort of um, competitive leagues and all this. At sports games, same thing. You're trying to you're, – you're fighting in NHL right now to maintain your rank. Assassin's Creed, I don't understand. Like I love – of all these games we've talked, that's the franchise that I, I most love. But that's because I'm a single-player gamer for the most part and there's a lot of single-player um, – content in each game i just don't see how that's sustainable at one point you get it's, it'd be like watching uh well maybe the fast and the furious is a bad example it seems to be making more money every time but like it's watching the same thing over and over and over at one point it bursts like superhero movies are huge right now i'm a huge geek i love superhero movies that's great for me but at one point i know that's gonna burst right yeah um so i feel like annual releases is just like the problem with them is that they are are milking something to the point where 
where they're ruining it, not just um, uh, immediately, but also in people's memories thereafter. You you don't think about the good times you had with Guitar Hero. You think about how there was Guitar Hero Aerosmith or something. You know, like you just you still just, the best version. <laughs> see, you just can't can't take it anymore. So anyway, I I I I would really like it. Even biannual releases, like if there was a new Assassin's Creed every second year, I feel like that would be better. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I, like you said, I, I I play Call of Duty. I pick it up more often than not every year. You know, there's been some years where I haven't. Uh, and, and like the sports games are often just roster updates. Oftentimes, Call of Duty will feel just like uh, map pack updates. But they they do they they understand better. Uh, you know, their market is very much the the jumping in online, making it quick and easy, and so they. they they're always tweaking that sometimes too much. I, I would completely agree with that, but I, I it's one of those games that you, you know what you're going to get every October, November, uh, you know, if you shell out your money, you're going to get a, a couple months worth of fun out of it. Yeah. I, I, it's hard. It's hard. Cause when you talk about like Assassin's Creed, like I get you being burnt out on that, but Assassin's Creed like has a tradition of being a large game with a ton of content. So, um, you know, you don't always want to read pirate stories, you know, if you're like, you don't want to see the same stories over and over again. Like you, you kind of want to watch a a Marvel hero movie, then maybe you want to watch a sci-fi thriller and then maybe you want to watch a drama. Like it doesn't mean you like any of them any less or whatever, but you know, getting that your gaming time is valuable and that you feel like it's being impinged upon by having to play a story in the similar setting quite frequently i could see that being unappealing but like i think about like the games that i really really enjoy and how if they had annual release releases i totally be like if diablo had an expansion pack every year i'd be buying it every year and playing it um maybe i would get sick of it i don't know but i don't think there's as as much unique single player content in a game of the an expansion of diablo which can be pretty much completed in a day i think um or even less versus, you know, an Assassin's Creed game is like 70 hours, 60 hours. Yeah. It's like 60 hours. Yeah. Like it's a lot. And if you're a casual player, you play a couple hours here and there that might take you a month or so to, to get through. So I think, I think it can come to monopolize. And I think that's where that fatigue comes from. But like, I've worked with people who are just like, Oh, Call of Duty's coming out. I'm going to buy it. But like, I, I've played online with them. I know what their habits are like they're probably going to play like two hours a week, you know, like they're buying it because it's like, like Jeff, like you said, it's a map. It's just new map packs, new assets, you know, it's, it's it's the newness that's fun about it. But, um, but they're not like, they're not playing it like 5 billion hours and being like, Oh, another call of duty. I'm so fatigued. And I think, I think you hear from people who play the games like a lot maybe might make that complaint but uh casuals don't i don't i don't think so but uh yeah I, I come from like a lot of the games that i like that have that sort of that could be tempted into like annual releases just aren't like league of legends and all that like they tend to just have ongoing products that get put up for sale and maybe you buy it maybe you don't depending if you're interested in it so i feel largely unaffected by annual releases uh Jeff. But- Je- yeah. uh, Jeff, just jumping in about annual releases because I know you and I both play Far Cry, right? Yeah. We play. Uh, I played Far Cry Four 
almost a, like, and it just so happened I, I got, was late to the party on Far Cry 3. I played it like, um, a, a year, I, I played it in January, uh, of, of not this year, but last year. And then I got the PS4 for Christmas, uh, this year played Far Cry 4 in January of this year. So a year apart, I played these two games. Um, and, uh, I enjoyed Far Cry 4 a lot. Uh, but it definitely suffered from me having played Far Cry 3 just the year before. Oh, now, absolutely, yeah. If Far Cry, and I, I know that Ubisoft is looking into this, annual releases of Far Cry, so if Far Cry 5 came out this year, and it's just it's another world, it's another, you know, like kill uh, peacocks instead of hippos or whatever, um would you, do do you think you would be less enthused? You love Far Cry Four. Do you think you'd be less enthused? You probably I, I, yeah, I would definitely be less enthused if it came out uh, soon. I I'd either wait for the price to drop a bit or I'd pick it up, but uh, not go into too much. Far Cry Four, like you said, it's a very content and side mission heavy game, so I I, I wouldn't be able to get into it as much as I did Far Cry 4 without some some more time passing or if they rehauled some major things about the gameplay. Yeah. I think I think also um, there's a bit of a shift in how we how games are developed too because I notice in a lot of situations that um, you know the engine might stay the same between like there's sort of a, a slowdown um, so that might be the same engine like they're just updating assets. A good example of this, it's not an annual release but um, Crofton, you said that, you know, Borderlands, the uh, pre-sequel, um, which you kindly bought for me, and I'm very grateful, was also sort of coined as Borderlands in the sense that, you know, like my ultimate review is I played a ton of Borderlands 2, and I've barely touched Borderlands, the pre-sequel, because something about it was missing, and it felt, it feels like it's like an expansion to it, but somehow not, it just not quite connecting with me. So I feel like um, there could definitely be temptation for burnout on on annual releases in content-heavy single-player experiences. Um, but I get that online experiences constantly need to be revised and updated um, to keep the game feeling fresh, just like, you know, hockey jerseys change and, you know, rules get adjusted as things happen in that game or whatever other sports. So it kind of makes sense that uh, that those games get a lot of attention that way. I think overall I'm like pro annual releases because if someone's a fan of like, you know, if they made a Deus Ex game every year, as long as they were good, uh, I'd buy it every year. Now, you know, arguably you can't make, you know, you can't make, you should take as long as you need to take to make that game awesome because I'd rather have a game every two years or every three years if it's awesome versus every year if it's garbage. Yeah, I think that, that that's what it all comes down to. Can you put out? a fun game that we want to play the, you know, this, this release schedule doesn't matter nearly as much as, as are you putting out good content that, that people want to pick up and continue to, to play. So Crofton, any final thoughts? No, I'm anti uh, annual release. If you didn't clue into that already, <laughs> we're looking at you Assassin's Creed. Freaking who is there a main villain in that every game? <laughs> no, they've lost time. the plot about three games ago. You had time. You, you crusaders. As Asburgo. Damn you, Asburgo. <laughs> I don't even As know what you are. Asburgo. All right. Uh, so dialogue tree. That concludes the dialogue tree. Uh, Jeff, did you sort of give like a, a meh or a yes or no on annual releases as a final? Uh, 
I think it's too complex of an issue to just give a yay or nay to. I, uh, if if a game's good and you put it out and I want to play it, I'll pick it up. It doesn't right. matter if it's every year or not. Enjoy the cold wind of sitting on the fence. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we move on to this. challenging and inexact science welcome to inventory manage it uh where we answer the question should you spend your cash or vendor trash all right uh, to start off this week's inventory management let's go with you crofton well uh Bo, you uh, sort of uh give a little hint to where I was going here. We spoke last week about uh, Deus Ex and uh, it got me thinking about Human Revolution and in particular we had recommended that Jeff Jeff played it play it cuz cuz he didn't and I thought more about that and I was like, "You know what? That's totally like a game game that would hold up right now uh, like you can play it on old, old consoles you can get um there's like a director's cut of it and uh it's definitely on pc you don't need a very high performing pc to run it um but it the art direction's great the music is awesome uh it really has a great great um great atmosphere uh, a lot of you know a lot of choice both in the way you play uh, and in, in the way you interact with characters, and it's really the the sequels coming out uh, probably in a year or so. I don't, I don't know; they haven't really announced. But uh, it, I, it's not too late to jump in, and you don't need to have played the old Deus Ex games, which you know are still my 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 favorites. But obviously, time hasn't been super kind. So my recommendation for the week is Deus Ex: Human Revolution. Uh, you should probably be able to find that for cheap and uh look it up if you haven't done so already if you if you like first person shooters uh this you'll like this game if you like stealth games you'll like this game if you like uh uh you know rpgs like mass effect you'll like this game so it, it it hits a lot of boxes yeah it's super fun i second your endorsement i also um i actually have an extra copy um because it does go on sale on steam every now and then for like five dollars so as crofton said wait for it on a sale uh i'm thinking maybe uh, i was gonna gift it to my brother but then i'd realized i'd already gifted it to him after i bought the game um so i just have it sitting in my inventory we should come up with a contest to give it to our listeners yeah if you if we come up with something amazing, I'm sure I have some stuff left in my Steam account that I could gift out as well. I think I got so like three copies of XCOM. Listeners, stay oh, tuned for episode three, and we'll we'll have yeah, a contest. Keep 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 watching this spot, and uh, we're gonna give we're probably gonna give away some sweet stuff that we've been recommending. All right, uh, Jeff, do you have a recommendation? for Yeah, you? I'm going back a little bit too, like Crofton. I'm going to recommend uh, Portal One and Two. Uh, I still remember the feeling of just being blown away playing Portal One. Uh, just something completely different in a video game that I hadn't seen before. Um, and yeah, great game mechanics, a lot of funny dialogue and, uh, just overall a, a lot of fun for a different type of game. I, yeah. I, I played the co-op of that with, uh, my buddy Mike and, uh, a portal two rather. And yeah. it's a whole separate campaign and it was totally worth it. Like it, there's no yeah. experience like that. You got um, to be really good friends with the person. Cause yeah. there's a lot of times where you just want to murder them. That's true. That's true. Uh, and I did want to murder him and I actually haven't seen him lately. So maybe he's dead. Um, I, I would say a question for you on this one, Jeff, 
because Portal 2 is a full game and Portal 1 is sort of a short, shorter yeah. game. It feels almost like a prototype. If you were telling somebody to get into it, would you say just skip ahead to Portal 2 or would you say it's worth starting with Portal 1? No, I'd absolutely say start with Portal 1. I, re I really liked the, the, that it was short. Uh, the, the aesthetics of the game were very sort of plain and purposely cold until you sort of got deeper into into the maze you're trying to get out of, basically. But uh, I, I think it's a perfect introduction to the series, and and it's the classic case of, of keep your audience wanting more. It, it was a short game, but as soon as I finished it, I just wanted to play again, and I wanted to play it more. Yeah, I agree with that. Play the first one first. And and actually, as fun as Portal 2 is, I found that they, did, they just tried to put a little too much in and messed with that aesthetic a bit. It was still a great game in its own right, but I... I I would have no problem recommending Portal One. It's not; it doesn't feel too dated. Still looks pretty good because they went so simple. Uh, and just to add on to that, um, I, I did try Portal Two in an Oculus Rift <laughs> a little while ago. Um, it's really fun in the Oculus Rift, but it was like a third-party uh, driver, so it was kind of unstable. So I wasn't able to to get very far. But that would be something I would try on the Oculus. Falling infinitely through your portal holes. <laughs> It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. And um, those are really good recommendations. I'm just going to chime in and say uh, play Marvel Heroes 2015. It's f available for free on Steam. I'm sure you can just Google it and go to their site, download it there if you're not a Steam user. And, uh, yeah, it's nice, casual, fun time for an ARPG. So I've already talked a lot about it. I don't really have much more to add except, uh, you know. Free, Avengers free is, is a good price. Avengers free. is coming out. Yeah, freeze a good price. Avengers coming out, and it has a lot of content. It, you're not if you are enjoying it. There's not like it's not a short campaign. There's lots of instance content and multiplayer stuff to do. Um, I am on like chapter three of eight, and I've barely just scratched the surface of what they call. There's a big end game to it, so I don't even know what's going on there. But uh, yeah, okay. So uh, now that covers our recommendations, uh, let's go to the mailbag. <laughs> We don't have a bumper for mailbag yet, so that gunshot is going to have to suffice. Scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Sorry. I'll have a softer one soon. Promise. Um, all oh, right. Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> uh, this week's mail uh, email is a message on Facebook, actually, from my mom. Uh, <laughs> Hi, Bo's mom. Hi, mom. Hey, Bo's mom. Hi, Mrs. Uh, Bo. So, <laughs> no, not Mrs. Bo. That's that's. That's weird. Uh, <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Hainalka, and I am not a gamer, but I am an avid listener of Good, Bad, or Bullshit and thought I would give the new podcast a listen. I can't really comment on the games discussed as I only have a distant memory of playing Bomberman on Super NES with the family. You know who you are, Bo. Yeah, yes, Mommy. Uh, sounds like you guys are off to a good start, so congrats. Just one observation, though. Let Jeff talk more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like her already. So it's pronounced... Hi, Hainalka, is that it? Hainalka. Hainalka. Well, thank you very much, Hainalka. I, I'm sorry I didn't get to share my voice more last time. I'm just such a fan of listening to these two guys that, uh, you know, I often feel like I don't want to interrupt them because they're on such a good streak. But I hope I talked more for you this time. And uh, I'll be happy to talk even more next time. Maybe I'll even recommend a Super NES game uh, in next week's episode just, just for you. And four-player Super Bomberman, really good. Yeah. Super, it was funny because, like, 
I did a Google search to when when I played in the movie theater the other day of good four player games like on the same system, and one of the first things that came up was Bomberman. I'm like, oh yeah, Bomber, oh yeah, Bomberman's awesome. Because the bomber Bomberman essentially because you don't shoot anything, you just have to screw other people by strategically placing bombs, and then your opponent's not quite realizing what you did, and then they go. <laughs> you know, um, it's literally the only video game my dad really ever played because uh, he just doesn't play games. And it was like a family game. Like we really enjoyed laying bombs at each other's feet. There's some like hidden aggression there, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thanks, mom, for writing the email. Thanks, Bo's mom. Thanks, Bo's yeah. mom. Yeah. So if you'd like to send us a message, give us some feedback on the show. Uh, it's new. We're new to doing this, and we definitely want to take some constructive criticism on how we can make the show better, more suited to, you know, uh, being like a professional show <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Just give us your feedback. Feedback. Yeah, the feedback thing. No, seriously. Um, or if you just want to say anything, you can email us at exmpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you yeah, so send us your mail. Now, if you want to find out more about the show, our website is live. You can find it at exmpodcast.com. Uh, and if you want to find out more, uh, you know, like where to get updates on our new episodes, the best places to do that are on Twitter at exmpodcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash exmpodcast. But really, all you got to remember is exmpodcast.com. Just go there. All the links are there. Uh, we're on iTunes and we're on Stitcher, so if you search the exclamation mark on those services, you're going to find our show. Okay, boys, I think that's the second one in the can. The, the Is it the sophomore effort? That's the second one, right? Yeah, yeah, sophomore, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, this is the one where it's like, shit gets real, right? <laughs> yeah, this is, this is the part where people are like, yeah, we were expecting more from you guys. <laughs> like well an hour of my life wasted well here's here's the thing like you said Bo if you know people are listening uh, we appreciate it first of and course. foremost and second off we, we really do want we do want comments like we're sort of uh, going by the seat of our pants you may have noticed some changes in the second episode as opposed to the first episode there may be more changes in the next episodes but let us know if you you like something you want more of something less of something else I mean, I'm sure we can twist Bo's arm. More yeah, Jeff talking. It, Always more yeah. Jeff talking. Yeah, more Jeff talking. And um, if you have any ideas on cool segments we can do, we're, we'll definitely take those too. We're, we, we like to experiment. So, you know, if you think of anything that you think we would be good at talking about, then then let us know. Give us your feedback. Right now we're leaning towards sticking Bo in the middle of the woods and then having people send, like, <laughs> instructions for how he could get out of there via via text or whatever. I'm not sure how it will work. He might not get back, honestly, but, well, whatever. No big loss. <laughs> I'd do it. If we, if we streamed it on Twitch, I would do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so who'd like to be the performer in this week's Master Game Theater? I did last week. I've never played it, so. Oh, so I guess I got to do it? All right. So this is a little piece from the game that Crofton recommended, uh, Deus Ex Human Revolution, and it's something that the lead character, Adam Jensen, says. Are you guys ready? See, you build it up just as much as me. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? Go yes. for it. All right. I never asked for this. <laughs>
and scene. And scene. Right on.